One, two, test. Microphone on, camera on. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? Hope you're well. Monday the 24th of April. Jesus. Fucking April already. Mental. So, hope you're well. Um, yeah, going to blast this episode. Welcome to, well, first of all, welcome to politics, culture, and some other shit. Um, follow me on Twitter, on Instagram. And if you want to, you can let me your support for a little, for well, for a pound a month. It's my only tier on my Patreon. And you'll get the link below this broadcast, I guess we could call it. Um, yeah, hope you're all well. Uh, I've got a bit of a cold. I think you can hear it in my voice. Um, when I got back off tour, <coughs> excuse me, uh, I immediately got sick, which is class. Uh, so I'm still dealing with that, but it's okay. I'm grand. It's just a wee head cold thing. Um, yeah. Anything else? Anything else? Did a gig at the weekend. Played in the Atlantic Bar in Port Rush for the final time. Sadly, they're closing it down. Uh, to build uh, a boutique golf hotel. As you know, there's a Royal Port Rush, the golf course is up there, world class golf course, and all the rest of it. But we don't need to be shutting down music venues, especially ones that are successful, employing people, giving an outlet uh, for musicians across the land to uh, play in, and uh, they were paying their rent their bills wasn't a failure of a business they just the landlord decided he wanted to do something else with the, the building they've been fighting it for years but sadly it, it, they brought it to court and everything and they, they lost and now it's going to be turned into a, a golf hotel a hotel for golfers I should say a golf hotel not the golfers fault of course but uh, we don't need another we don't need a golf hotel we do need venues I think it's disgusting uh, everyone is rightly outraged and um, the local councils and the political class who could stop could have stopped this did nothing and yeah I really don't know what else to say except thanks to Stephen Ross for booking the Bonnevilles for all those years thanks for everybody for coming down to see us um, giving us a great support over the years very sadly we won't be able to play for you there anymore hopefully we'll find there'll be another venue open up or somebody will figure something out we hope we hope we live in hope that's it that's all we can do so yeah so tonight's um podcast broadcast whatever we want to call it is basically going to be a super cut i'm going to go through my uh device that i have for Storing news articles and things that I pick up across the week. I'm going to share those with you. I'm just going to be talking real quick. I have a couple of things loaded in. Not too much, just one or two wee things. Just have a bit of a chat. Um, so yeah, so let's let's get to it. Let's do this, baby. Let's do this. So, yeah, oh, what's that on the screen? Okay, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. That's one of the ones I've loaded in. It's bloody hilarious. Uh, I'll just put that away. Give me a sec. There we go. No, 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 you shut up. You shut up, we've heard enough about you. Ah. No loady. 
perfect. Literally just uh <laughs> Christ, you couldn't make it up. Literally just um set all this up, made sure it worked. Da -da 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 -da. Doesn't work. Okay. No 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 big ding. I shall there it is there. It's because I had to come up. There we go. Okay. So this is a wee thing, a wee thing I use. It's a browser extension called Rainbow. I used to use another one called Pocket, which was great. You have the same you have the same extension on your phone, and you have it or a little app on your phone, and you have an extension on your browser. And then when you're when you're reading things, picking things, you go, "Oh, I'm going to save that." And then I then I go through them for my for the podcast. Uh, and I was paying for it, it was like five a month, and then. I don't know what happened. Something just there's like a million of these things. <laughs> They're all free. <laughs> so fuck. So I'm not okay. Thanks, pocket. Fuck off. So here we go. So it, there's loads. As you can see, this is about two days worth of me saving stuff. Um, we shan't. I'm not going to go through them all. I'm just going to pour a beer here too. By the way, this is a very relaxed, very relaxed episode of politics, culture, and some other shit this evening. Because I have a cold and I don't feel well. So it didn't put myself under too much pressure to get the show together, the episode together. Set that up there when McGuinness settles. Yeah. So. Do, 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 do. There. Right. Okay. So we're going to start with this one. I wanted to read this one out to you. Um, let's see if that comes up on the screen for you. Yes, it does. So, this is an article on Jacobin, uh, Bernie Sanders. Now, Bernie Sanders is a bit of a letdown. He was a big, um, you know, sort of the leftist of American politics. And he'd been banging on for years and years and years about talking the, the language of revolution. Do you want a revolution? He would say whenever he was trying to run for president. I'll just tidy that up for you. And... Um, you were like, oh yeah, this is great. And he was using this un-American language, right? So, um, and he was, you know, basically he was being portrayed as being this big commie guy and a socialist, you know, the, the horrible S word that isn't used much in American politics. It's certainly not used in a, uh, in a positive sense. But, he did, he, he sort of banged on and banged on, did the same language for 30 years, and eventually it cut through, and it cut through as this, at the same time that, the, that the, the fortunes of the American working class and middle class were declining, the, 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 the productivity gap between um, workers' remuneration and the, pro, the, the, the output of their labour was widening, ever widening, and inflation was, you know, as it does, it it, it it always moves upwards, and the the working class and the middle class weren't able to live these lifestyles that they had previously enjoyed, and then eventually Bernie's message starts to cut through. He runs for president twenty twenty sixteen. Well, he, he ran for the the Democratic primary in twenty sixteen and twenty twelve. Was it twenty twelve twenty sixteen? Yeah, yeah, it was. He so he he didn't get nominated both times but the first time was the the first time he didn't get nominated was the hard time 
that the American socialists, the American left, felt betrayed by him because he then turned into basically a good Democrat, in the de- as in as in the Demo- as a good member of the Democratic Party, and in American politics, when you're running for the primary, if you don't get it. So you can run for any party. So you could be a Republican and run as a Democrat. You could be a Democrat and run as a Republican and all this sort of stuff it, to, to, to run for, 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 for office. But what happens is if you don't, if you aren't successful, so in Bernie's case, 2012, he wasn't successful. He built up this massive movement. So he would, he would have to, you know, like football stadiums and things because everywhere he turned up, Tens of thousands of people were coming cheer him on. Whereas the nominee who eventually ran, which was Hillary Clinton, she couldn't fill a phone box. So, but it's not the people that decide, it's the party themselves that have the, this really convoluted system um, that is designed to be easily corrupted. So Bernie that wasn't nominated... And and at that point, if you're not, unless you're a a party loyalist, if someone like Bernie should have done what's called a dirty break. The dirty break is, I'm going to run as a Democrat. If I don't get nominated, I'm going to go and start a third party. And I'm going to take my followers with me to try and run for president that way. But he didn't do that. He basically embedded himself into the democratic establishment and that's what he is now um, and the, the the way that he was and he, but it, it, it's very complicated but he was actually betrayed in the democratic party and connivance with the the, the, the gears of the state and the media etc basically connived to deny him a shot and then in 2016 he ran again against Biden and he was he basically rolled over, got his belly tickled, and he he disgusted a lot of people. So, but that doesn't mean that he's wrong about this, what he's saying. And he's right, he's right in what he says, but he's, he doesn't back it up with these actions. So he's saying here, Bernie Sanders is calling for a reduction in the, the work week to 32 hours at full-time pay, and he's absolutely right. Gains in productivity should serve the working class. So this is what we were talking about in the last podcast, do you remember? Just going to blast through this real quick. It's just more of just a top-up from last week. Um, so, earlier this month, Bernie Sanders renewed his long-standing call to reduce the work week to 32 hours. He pointed out that there have been huge advances in technology and productivity in the eight decades since the Fair Labour Standards Act kept the work week at 40 hours. Critics argue that it's fine if technological advances deliver the shorter work week without government intervention, but the top-down interference in the free market is a bad idea. Right, so I'm going to cut in right there straight away. No such thing as a free market. It doesn't exist. No, there's no such thing. So the capitalists will have you believe that the free market is this thing that just exists, and the hand of the market that that phrase I think it's, it's not Adam Smith. There was um, who was the there was an uh, an American author, economist, whatever. The free hand of the market it'll come to me, and the idea that the market will solve all problems because 
um, people will vote basically vote with their their their, their purchases. So the and then that's the, the idea is that that's a free market. Now I'm going to show you a little video later on. Take that looks that looks plenty how it's not a free market, especially whenever America's involved and they have a fucking the biggest army that has ever existed with the biggest budget that has ever been spent on any military in human history. There's no such thing as a free market. Basically, if America wants it, they're fucking taking it, <laughs> right? So this concept of a free market is a nonsense, right from the very beginning. So, uh, and we know that from lobbying, um, from from the, the, the industry lobbying, in the pharmaceutical industry, the military-industrial complex, this is the same all across the world, uh, but... Um, in this case, we're talking about it, the U.S., but it's the same here. Uh, the the lobbyists uh, lobby politicians, curry favor with politicians, and get legislation put in place that favor their their uh, their businesses. So that's not a free market. That's that's that right there is an as if cons- is is an illustri- clear illustration of how the market is manipulated. So. Back to the article. This idea doesn't stand up even to cursory scrutiny. If the reduction in hours was going to happen without being mandated, it would have happened a long time ago. Bernie is right. We want increased productivity to benefit the working class. We need to take political action to make that happen. So basically, the the whole concept is the productivity has gone up through technological advancements since the... since uh, the, the big speed, it was, it was you can the, the speed of that mo- of of that movement you can see from the birth of the, the industrial revolution, the industrial revolution all forward. The advancements are huge. Every technological advancement is quite is a leap. It's a huge leap forward, which results in more productivity. But though up until in this case, this Fair Labour Standards Act that they're referring to, that introduced the standard forty-hour work week, the, the benefits of the productivity weren't going to the labourers. Then this gets introduced, and then since you're looking at from like the early sixties to the mid sixties is when you start to see I showed you last week that separation. It was nineteen seventy one, I think that graph started. And that graph explained showed you, illustrated perfectly, that productivity and increases in um uh, corporate profits and they they went to the corporate profiteers at the top. And none of it went. None of it went to the labor. So you're saying, well, if we're going to work and there's going to be these technological advancements, why should all the money go to the 1%? This is who's who's mopping it all up. Some of it should be used to pay for hospitals, pay for kids' educations at schools, pay for third-level education. It's all these things benefit society as a whole at the end of the day. And let's do less work it's a fair thing it's a fair thing to, it's not an, it's not an unreasonable thing to expect and when you think of it it, it does the, the capitalist the 
propaganda has us thinking that what we have to do is just work, 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 work all the time. And and that's, you know, we do, we all work, we, we work constantly. But there has to be time for other things. And a part of those other things, and you, you have to remember, it, it, the, think of the genius that never gets fulfilled because people are just working. Children working in third world countries and who, given the opportunity, might be the next, who knows what, but then it will never, we'll never know. And 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 you, if you bring that forward to our own society, to our own countries, if you're working two or three jobs just to stand still, which is increasingly what's happening, how are you going to fulfil that potential that's in you? That you you don't find at your work. It's not coming from you. It's something you could be the greatest musician, the greatest poet, the greatest scientist, the great surgeon. The great. You, you, how are you gonna? If, if you haven't got the time to develop those skills, it's a loss. And if all you're doing is working, then that's and, and this is one of the arguments that we use for cutting down the working week. Why we should do it. Because it allows us as a society to fulfill our potential and realise our genius. All of us. You want to learn how to play the guitar? Go and learn how to play the guitar. You can't do it if you're working 60 hours a week. 50 hours. You can't. You, there's no time. You get home from working those sorts of hours. You're just knackered. You're not going to sit down and learn. Right? So. So there we go. So Bernie's calling for that. Um... There's the article's quite long. I'm not going to. It's actually not too bad, but I'm not going to read it. I've waffled long enough. We're going to. Oh, here. Oh, there's a wee bit of marks. So, in the 19th century, we'll just finish with this. Chapter 10 of Karl Marx's masterpiece, Capital, is devoted to analysing this struggle. Much of the chapter is spent chronicle, chronicling horrors like deaths from overworked children, deprived time to play, etc., etc., etc. So. At the end of the chapter, Marx celebrates the eventual passage of the Ten Hours Act for protection. So it was a ten hour working day instead of an eight, which we have today's standard. For protection against the serpent of their agonies, the labourers must put their heads together as a class, compel the passing of a law, an all powerful social barrier that shall prevent the very workers from selling by voluntary contract with capital themselves and their family into slavery and death. In place of the pompous catalogue of the inalienable rights of man comes the modest Magna Carta of a legally limited working day, which shall make clear when the time which the worker sells is ended and when his own begins. What about that? That's pretty fucking cool, isn't it? I like that. So, there we go. So that's good. Um, let me just take a wee drink here. Trace beans, trace beans. So, right. So that's that. So there. Can you see? Can you see? Oh, you can. I. There you go. You can see it on the screen. You can see what I'm looking at. So I'm just going to choose which. What to do here? Uh, there's a good Robert Smith one there, but I haven't. 
of the cure where he slags off the king. I'll maybe I'll leave that until I'll do a <coughs> a coronation episode. I think that should be good. Oh yeah, here's one. Yeah. So this is uh this is from a few days ago. So you can see it on the screen there. Uh on this day in it's about it's about Fidel Castro, for those of you listening, and there's a picture of him there on the screen, lighting a cigar. One of his big Cubans. What a dude. You should read about him. You need to get a book. I have, I have a couple of books on him. He's absolutely amazing, man. Um, on this day in 1951, this is from a few days ago, Fidel Castro's forces defeated the invading CIA-trained mercenaries aided by the US at the Bay of Pigs in Cuba after delivering a humiliating defeat to the US, Fidel Castro said this in a speech. The US government says that a socialist regime here threatens US security. But what threatens the security of the North American people is the aggressive policy of the warmongers of the United States. What threatens the security of the North American family and the people is the violence. That aggressive policy, that policy that ignores the sovereignty and the rights of other peoples. That aggressive policy can give rise to a world war. And that world war can cost the lives of tens of millions of North Americans. Holy fuck, that could be written today. That could be written today. Wow. That's nuts. That is nuts. Let me see here. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. So there's someone, alias, replying to that. Says, holy shit, nothing has changed. I was just tweeting about America's warmongering and destruction. And look, we're still in the same spot. Putin attacked Ukraine because he didn't want a dangerous government on his doorstep. Look at Iraq, Libya, Syria, Afghanistan. Wow. That's fantastic. So it's so true. So true. So there you go. So that's that one. That was that was a nice wee a wee quick one there. What else? I'm just scanning my I like this. I like the way this is all laid out. Oh yeah, so I'll do this one because of a video loaded for this. This or no, no, it won't. Actually, just while I have so while we were talking about so these two things are linked. So we're talking about American workers' productivity, no such thing as the free market, right? And the Cuba thing, South America, America interfering. What was it? Um, what was it? Fidel said, um, what threatens the security of North American people is the aggressive policy of the warmongers of the United States. So, I find this. This is, this is fantastic. Shall open... Up so, I've seen this woman a couple of times. So for those of you listening to this, I've opened up a little Reddit link here. Uh, yeah, it's on the screen there. Yeah, that's good. Um, and this woman, General Richardson, she's one of the chiefs of staff. I think. I think that's the official title. So I'm going to play you a video of her. Uh, where is it? Oh, oh, there it is, right. Shall, there it is there. 
Yeah. So we're talking about the free markets, no such thing as a free markets, the American military, and uh, Fidel mentioned about the North, about the, the, the America threatening the peoples of North America. So check this out. This was from a hearing that this psycho gave the other day. Check it out. Is there anything that we haven't asked today that you might that you could speak about that would help help you help, help us help you? Well, thank you, Congressman. It's really just the attention and the focus on this. Sorry, I should give you context for those of you listening to this, because those of you that, that aren't, um, and, and go and follow this on follow me on YouTube, and you can watch these videos uh, and get the full context. The title of the video is "U.S. Wants Monopoly Over the Lithium Triangle." In brackets, our backyard, our region, the lithium triangle of Chile, Argentina and Bolivia. And we know what's been going on a lot in those regions this past while. Uh, a lot of interference, a lot of coups, a lot of um a lot a lot of uh, political a lot of interference in the political fortunes of these countries. And now just the other day is is it Bolivia? Is it either Bolivia? I think it's Bolivia has announced that they are nationalizing nationalizing their lithium uh, uh, mines, their, their, their lithium capability of, and because the, these regions are rich in in lithium, which is needed for what? Batteries. They use them for batteries. Batteries are needed for what? Uh, electric cars. So this is a part of Elon Musk, our favorite billionaire wanker. Um, remember that. Tweet he put out a few years ago where he says we we coo who we like. That was what that was all about. So this is the American military um, saying the quiet part out loud. Who are, they're so emboldened now they can say these things and they, there's no comeback for them. They never get punished except do they? I'll show you another little story about that in a minute as well. So here we go. Back to the video. Is there anything that we haven't asked today that you might that you could speak about that would help help you help, help us help you? Well, thank you, Congressman. It's really just the attention and the focus on this region and show that this region matters. This region is full of resources, and I worry about the malign activity of our adversaries taking advantage of that, looking like they're investing when they're really extracting. So what she's talking about there, our adversaries taking advantage of that, is China and Russia and other countries, but China specifically, the Belt and Road Initiative, where they invest in these countries, they don't. She is accusing China that it's that old. It's a Machiavellian. It's from Machiavelli. He writes, "Accuse your enemy of that of that of which you are guilty," and that's what she's doing here. So she's accusing China of extracting. China is not extracting anything. China is developing relationships, building partnerships, and investing in these countries. If China wants lithium from Bolivia, they will buy it. Okay, America will organize coups, introduce corrupt governments who are in the pocket of the CIA, who will then write favorable legislation to allow American corporations to get access to whatever they need for free, or next to free. And there'll be no, they, they, they'll have no, um, there will be no. And they also get our environmental legislation like that as well. So they, not only do they get the stuff for free, they tend to do great damage to the environment in the in the in the getting of it. Back to the video. 
We have the lithium triangle in this region. 60% of the world's lithium, Argentina, Bolivia, Chile, have this. And it's taking resources away from these countries and from their people that are trying to deliver, these democracies that are trying to deliver for their people. You said that 60% of the lithium uh, in the world, the world supply of lithium comes from South America. What percentage of that 60% is actually controlled by the PRC? Uh, I don't have the answer to that, but I could uh, I could try to get that for you from uh, one of our interagency partners. Would but you say it's a significant amount? It's uh, the the uh, when you talk to the uh, U.S. ambassadors for Chile and uh, Argentina, and then the the companies that are there, uh, the uh, aggressiveness of the PRC and the ground game that they have with the lithium is um, uh, is is very advanced and very aggressive. Yeah, look, uh, I, I don't think that combating China, I mean, combating the PRC in South America, is, I do believe that that's our greatest threat. It's just going to take military. It's going to be the military, although you, you all do a great job in, in the partnerships. Hear what he just said there? It's going to take the military. So they're openly discussing. This is an open hearing. This is broadcast live on the television. They're openly discussing introducing the military to control lithium production because the PRC, People's Republic of China is in South America do, with its Belt and Road Initiative. It's actually an economic and I believe that for far too long we have ignored our own backyard uh, and allowed Russia, our own backyard, uh, China, Iran, uh, adversaries of the United States to actually make great footholds in, into our uh, region. Is there anything that we have? Wow. So there we go. This is what we're talking about. This is the, the level of of um, disconnect. Actually, I will just... There's a few comments under the video as well that are worth... Uh, oh, not scrolling. Oh, there. Scrolling there. So... Uh, do, do, do. Turn them off. Oh yeah, there we go. So, oh, come on. No, not playing ball. Okay, fuck it. Turn it off. You're not playing with me when you're not getting. You're not getting your moment in the sun then. Okay, so there you go. So that's all a part of. Now, what this is all leading to is this. I shall tee this up for you. I'll score this off a little bit so that you can read it. Oh, wrong one. Um, so this is all leading to what? Thanks to China and Brazil, US dollars power over the world economy weakens. Now, there's a bit more to this than just that. This was written on the 17th of April. 2023 There's a bit more to it. It's not just as simple as that, but we shall have a little scan of this article The United States proclaimed the Monroe Doctrine 200 years ago and has ever since arranged Latin American Caribbean affairs to its advantage So the Monroe Doctrine is where that idea of our backyard was where the Monroe Doctrine was where America decided that European colonialists weren't going to be allowed to uh, 
extract and organise uh, Central and South America to their benefit. America basically said, we're going to do it to our benefit. And that's what they've been doing ever since. Nevertheless, struggles for national and regional independence did continue. Poor and marginalised classes did resist. Eventually, there would be indigenous movements, labour mobilisations, etc., etc. Cuba's revolutionary government, etc., has endured for 60 years. The U.S. political hold may have weakened, but U.S. control of the region's economy remained strong. After World War II, it extended worldwide, but now the cracks are showing up. In particular, the U.S. dollar's role as the world's econ- world economy's dominant currency may have run its course. In 1944, Allied nations determined that the value of the various currencies would correlate with the value of the U.S. dollar instead of gold. The nations since then have relied on the US dollar for the reserve currencies for foreign trade and banking transactions. So what that means is you've got to convert your currency into US dollars to make a... a tra- so it's de facto become the world a world um, currency. Now, it was tied to the oil productions of Saudi Arabia. So they did that, right? So, so America says to Saudi, you conduct your oil transactions. Anybody wants to buy oil, they have to do it in US dollars, which means that anyone wants to buy oil, they've got to convert their currency to, U- currency to US dollars, which shores up the American currency. This is why America is so sort of rich. It's why they can spend so much money on the, you know, the massive budget. They can just print money because other people will come in and buy their bonds, which is what they do when they convert their currency to buy the oil. They need the oil. They have to convert the currency to dollars. The dollars shows up the American economy, which is why America has flourished, especially after World War II. Um, so we'll just get on to... So here we go. Dollar dominance may be losing its appeal closer to home. The former Goldman Sachs economist Jim O'Neill claims the US dollar plays far too dominant a role in global finance. Wherever the Federal Reserve Board has embarked on periods of monetary tightening or the opposite, loosening the consequences on the value of the dollar and the knock-on effects have been dramatic. So, uh, yeah. So that's basically uh, where I want just, uh, yeah. So here's, so the so this is the so the prop. So one one of the things that America, because it is the world's currency, what it's able to do that no other country is able to do. One of the many things that it's able to do that no other country is able to do is issue sanctions, unilateral sanctions. It just says we're going to put sanctions on this country. That's it, and that's it. It's done. They decide to do it. It's done. Okay. So and we know Cuba has been at the fucking sharp end of that for for 60 years so um, dollar dominance has caused pain abroad however exporters to the United States take a hit when the exchange value of the dollar weakens importers of US goods are hurt when the dollar strengthens most importantly US government gains an opening to punish enemy countries through use of their dollars in international transactions it opposes economic sanctions. It imposes economic sanctions requiring that dollars not be used in a target of countries' overseas transactions. So that's what, yeah. So the U.S. Treasury Department penalizes foreign banks and companies that disobey sanctions. N- sanctioned nations have included 
Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Syria, Venezuela, Nicaragua, and more recently, China and Russia. So, the, basically the point that I'm trying to illustrate for you here is... Um, there's no such thing as the free market. The benefits of the increased productivity haven't gone to the workers. In fact, the workers are in a more precarious a position than they have been since, I'd be saying, 100 years. Well, since post-World War II. Um, the, the American, there's no, such, as I said, there's no such thing as the free market. The American idea of the free market is propped up by the military. Or they will organize coups, and then because of the strength of the dollar, they have got unique power to introduce unilateral sanctions on anybody they want for any reason they want, unknown. I mean, the, the san- every year the sanctions on Cuba get voted for. Uh, a, there's a vote taken on them in the UN. The UN is held in in New York, as you know. Every single year, every country in the world, bar two, vote. To remove the sanctions, the two are the United States and Israel. They vote to keep the sanctions, and there's a there'll be a six or seven others that will abstain. One of the some even the UK has voted to remove the sanctions. I think a couple last few times they've they've abstained, but even they um, have know that these things are illegal but they carry on anyway no one does that no one can do anything about it because it's the US now what this has led to is what this article is pointing out is a weakening of the dollar because the alternative that's gonna that's coming up through the ranks is the Chinese yuan so America put sanctions on Russia for the invasion of Ukraine which were supposed to weaken Russia. The first thing they did was they removed Russia from the SWIFT system. The SWIFT system is the international banking, tr- the monetary transfer system. And it's all, I think it's based out of Brussels, but bec- again, because of the dollar hegemony, um, it's controlled by uh, the US. So they des- the US decided to remove Russia from the SWIFT, sy- the Swift system. Um, Instead of this, this is this is dramatically backfired. Russia then said, "Well, okay, you don't want to buy our stuff. We can't sell it to you. What we're going to do is, you want to buy our gas, you want to buy our oil, you want to buy the many uh, products um, that Russia makes all natural resources. Russia is a country that's rich in natural resources. You want to buy our stuff, you have to pay for it in Russian rubles." The rest of the world stepped up and said, "We'll have it." America and others said, don't you be buying that from them. The rest of the world went, go fuck yourself. We're done. We're done. There's an alternative to the US dollar now called the BRICS economy. BRICS, don't forget it. B-R-I-C-S. It's an acronym. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. That's the five. Now it's BRICS Plus. And who's going into BRICS Plus? Saudi Arabia. Okay, and all these countries that we're talking about in South America are queuing up to be a part of the BRICS economy. It's being led by China, 
because it's the biggest, obviously, it's the second biggest economy in the world outside of the US. But it's obvi- China is obviously on its on its on the rise, and whenever this military ghoul talks about China having a footprint in our backyard, that's what they're talking about. So these countries, Chile and Bolivia and Argentina and Brazil, and well, Brazil are obviously in it anyway. But these these countries are looking to be a part of the BRICS alliance because why? Because the US has shown themselves to be an untrustworthy partner. The US is not interested in partnering with you. The US only wants to dominate you. You do what we say or we will punish you. That is, you have a relationship with the US, you have to be a puppy. You have to be a puppy dog. You have to do what you're told. You have to do what you're told. You will get scraps from the table, like the UK does. And we saw this with this US proxy war, which is what the Ukrainian thing is. We saw how the European governments have all fallen into line to to, to their own detriment. They've, they've, they've decreased the, the conditions of the lives of their own people. And I think it's shameful. And I've said on this podcast before, I cannot believe that the European governments have gone along with this. For, for, for various reasons. One, a war on in mainland Europe is insanity. We've done this twice in the 20th century. Look what it led to. Uh, and two, it was clearly going to cost the average European money in their pocket, in their lifestyles. They're not going to be able to heat their homes, etc., etc., because of the... And then our the industries across Europe that are literally being unbolting machinery from factory floors and shipping it to China and America because they can't get it. I told you last week about the chemical factory, Basif, that's basically moving to America. Visas are being issued to all the workers and they're all going. So that's when you partner with the US, that's what you get. When you partner with China... You get investment. China has said they want to build friendships, they want to build relationships, they want to build partnerships. There's no reason to suspect that they're lying because they haven't done any of this other stuff. China doesn't have military bases all around the world. 800 of them. America does. But China's being aggressive. That woman used the word aggressive. China's being aggressive. China's being aggressive in the sense that they're going and do you want to do this? Yeah, well, it, it's aggressive to her from her perspective because the US now has a direct competitor that is a preferred competitor for something, uh, a preferred partner from a country who has something that the US needs. But because of capitalism and because of the aggressive nature of the, I'm going, I say the US, it's basically the West, it's all the, colon, the colonial powers, and of which I'm going to include the United States, despite the fact that they've never had a, an official empire. But <clears throat> it's just go and take 
We take this from you. And if you don't let us take it, we'll kill you. China hasn't done that. They've they've gone the other way. Now, we could do, as again, we, it's the big we. We could do the same. We said, well, we'll change our tact. We'll change our approach. We'll partner up. We'll acknowledge the flaws and the faults and the wrongs that we've committed. It's, a, it's an old world tactic and it's not going to work anymore. We're going to try what they're doing. But they won't. Because this this corporate greed that has separated the worker from the profits, that the that same mindset is in is a, is all a part of this. Oh Jesus! No 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 no! We're not gonna we're not gonna partner up. We're not gonna give people what a fair price. We're gonna take it, and if you don't let us take it, we're gonna kill you. That's where we are. And China comes along and says. Do you want the airport? Thanks very much. Uh, that's not an exa- I'm not exaggerating. That's true. That's what's happening. So, it's fascinating stuff. So let's let's go blast. So there's another. I'm not going to blast through it. Or I'm not going to get into it. But we'll just show you here real quick. Robert F. Kennedy has announced Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the son of Robert Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Sr., who was shot brother of JFK, as you know, uh, has announced that he's going to run for president in America. And when he talks, he's got a funny thing with his voice sounds a bit like me at the moment. He sort of talks like this. He's, he's very weird. Very weird voice. He has a he has a medical condition that does that to his voice. So he says here, when my uncle came into office two months later, he was fighting his intelligence apparatus and his military. He's talking about JFK. In the middle of the Bay of Pigs. Remember, we just spoke about Castro, right? He realized they were lying to him. He realized the function of the intelligence agencies had become to provide the military-industrial complex with a constant pipeline of war. And so the neocons and the CIA got to go into Iraq and do regime change. We spent $8 trillion and what did we get for it? Nothing. Iraq is now much off than it, much worse off than it was when we went there, and we killed more Iraqis than Saddam Hussein ever did. So, the uh, he's right; he's a hundred percent. Only problem I have is that he's doing it inside the Democratic Party, which is a part of the military-industrial complex at this point. And if he's going to go after the CIA, they're going to kill him. They killed his father. They killed his uncle and they'll kill him, and they don't give a fuck. We just saw how bold, emboldened and bold from General Richardson there, just basically admitting that they were going to go and steal shit. Uh, and they don't mind saying it. And the politicians, they don't mind saying it either. That's just the way it is now. And they'll kill him, and they'll get away with it. So... He's doing it inside the Democratic Party. I don't think, again, remember we mentioned that thing about the dirty break? If he does the dirty break when they don't select him, because they won't, um, that's a different matter. He might, um, it might, uh, it might be worth considering him as a, as a, as a real alternative. But, uh, yeah, interesting. Good to see. He talks really funny, and he he will he will get. He's got a weird voice, and I don't know if it's going to work in the 
but he, but he, he's intelligent. He's a good speaker. He's been, he's been, he's worked as a, as a lawyer all his life, going after big corporations for environmental damage and uh, you know, um, consumer advocacy rights and things like that. So he's, he, he's got a record of 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 of, of good stuff. But uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's interesting. So I wanted to do this one with you. So this woman here, I, I loaded the video in, so I'm going to play it. She, Miller Knoll. Miller Knoll is a posh furniture maker. It says here in America, I don't know who it is. Um, threatened to fire workers for speaking out about a CEO's pity city rant. So I'll play you the video. Uh, after this, so um, Owen rebuked the rank and file for wallowing in self pity or in pity city over their lack of bonuses, despite the fact that she pulled down almost five million dollars in total compensation last year. We're talking about this gap, right? Employees at the Western Michigan Michigan based company who were irked by Owen telling them that the company was twenty six million dollars short of its goal that would trigger the minimum bonus payout said they have effectively been given a gag order. We have a meeting at the beginning beginning of every shift. One worker, one employee told the Sentinel on Wednesday. Last night the comments were brought up about the meeting. And they said if anybody spoke out, it wouldn't be good for them and they could be terminated. So let's just take, let, let's have a look at the video. This caused all the controversy. Um, oh, there we go, interact. Oh yeah, so let me just, this is, this is loading in. It's going to take a second. There it is. There we go. A lot of questions about how can we stay motivated if we're not going to get a bonus? What can we do? What can we do? Some of them were nice and some of them were not so nice. I'm going to address this head on. The most important thing we can do right now is focus on the things that we can control. None of us could have predicted COVID. None of us could have predicted supply chain. None of us could have predicted bank failures. But what we can do is stay in front of our customers, provide the best customer service we can, get our orders out the door, treat each other well, be Focus on the future because it will be bright. It's not good to be in a situation where today, but we're not going to be here forever. It is going to be bright for her. She got paid $5 million last year. She's going to be grand. I can't stand this. I had that job, as you know, for a year and a half, which I fucking, I am convinced it put five years on me. Um, I don't know how you do it. Um, and all over the walls, it's all this corporate bullshit. But you get to see when you get to see behind the scenes, behind the the, the, the locked door where you have a a card to pass through. You see the reality of it, and about how rancid these environments are to work in. But this language that she's using—that's the, the 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 front. That's the face. Be smiley, do this, do that. Like, get the fuck. You're paying me minimum wage plus 2p. You can suck my dick.
can visit Pity City, but you can't live there. So people, leave Pity City. Let's get it done. Thank you. Have a great day. Wow. She's awesome. Well, I'm motivated. I, I, fuck. After watching that, knowing she got paid five million dollars. Here it is. Here, uh, the rich. The, the Sentinel quoted an employee who referred to the company's corporate structure as parasitic. The rich always get richer, and the poor get more poor. They have a one point one million dollar salary and getting a three hundred and fifty five percent bonus. Yet she's denying us the sliver we get. Maybe five percent max on a forty five thousand dollar salary. What's that? So ten. So five percent maximum on a forty five thousand dollar salary. So ten percent of that is four thousand five hundred. So you're looking at twenty two hundred dollars maximum of a bonus. That's what that's what they're talking about here to these workers. It's nothing. It's, an, it's a nice, it, it, you know, it, see you through Christmas, right? For the fiscal year ending May 22, Owen, whose resume includes C-suite stints at The Gap and Banana Republic, was paid a base salary of $1.1 in addition to the $3.9 in perks and rewards. I get that the CEO's astronomical bonuses get astronomical bonuses, but where does it stop? She added that the size of Owen's bonus has yet to be determined. We all follow the same bonus determination. Wow. That's fantastic, isn't it? So there you go. Um, one thing, I, a business that I would love to see opening up, starting up again, would be guillotine manufacturers. <clears throat> I would drop the lever on those suckers. Would you? I think I would. I'm serious. I actually think I would. If it come to it, like people like that. Yeah. Maybe. I would say I would, but maybe I would, I would at the end I wouldn't. But I wouldn't stop someone else from doing it. <laughs> Definitely not. So when you're done, so let's finish up here. Let me see what else have I got real quick. Just blasting through this. Northern Ireland back my Brexit deal or face United Ireland. Rishi Sunak tells the DUP. Um, yeah, this should have happened fucking ages ago. It's ridiculous. Way. Oh, I have a little Jim Wells one here. So let's do this. Um, so Jim Wells, DUP. Uh, what? He's an MP, isn't he? A fucking dick. Isn't he? He um, he uh, was on the Nolan Show, and it says here, Jim Wells of the DUP explains to Nolan that the DUP expected that Brexit would produce a hard border on the island of Ireland. So we all knew that, but he's, he's doing that saying the quiet part out loud. In the Cheshire negotiations. But he knew a border would have to go somewhere. Yes, and we, we believed that border should have been between ourselves and the Irish Republic. And you really thought a border would be put between ourselves and the Irish Republic? I, I believe that was feasible. It should have been done. But we won't, but nobody in Northern Ireland voted for a border down the Irish Sea. Yes. And, these... and we, need, we need a consistent message to the public on exactly... So, 
they thought that they were going to get a border in the Irish Sea, or, or on on the on the on the island of Ireland. I, I think this article might be blocked for me here. So it's just a uh, back my Brexit dealer face a United Ireland. Rishi Sunak tells the DUP. Um, but the comp, this is on Reddit, Northern Ireland. Uh, do you use Reddit? It's it, uh, I I use it a lot. Um. You should have a. You should try it. Out. It's just a. For, remember old forums. Remember those things. It's just millions of those, and there's any, any subject you want. So it's like R forward slash Northern Ireland. You can type anything in after the R forward slash, and you'll get a Reddit for um, Reddit page. So some of the comments underneath. Um, I'm not going to read the article because I'm going to wrap this up shortly. Uh, the DUP never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. <laughs> so the the opportunity, obviously, that the that Van Man ninety nine refers to, is the opportunity of the Northern Ireland Protocol that has given us, and this is the 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 thing that we all know that Brexit we didn't vote for it here in the North, and the Northern Ireland Protocol was the EU being very generous with us here and understanding this, the the sensitivities of the situation and offered us a very generous way out, which was going to see us on on our uppers for the first time in, in our history. And of course the DUP would see us all living in a fucking ditch before they would accept it. We've got local elections here, council elections, and I really hope they get fucking wiped out, but they won't. I just at this point if you're voting for the DUP I'm sorry you're a fucking dick and I'll tell you I'll, I'll, I'm going to go more I'm going to give you I'm going, to, I'm going to put a bit of meat on that bone for you I ain't calling you a dick to your face for a reason you have an alternative you have an alternative you have the UUP they are an establishment unionist party the official unionists as you well know you have an alternative. You don't have to vote for the DUP. The DUP don't give a fuck about you. And you're voting for them. I've always been a person that, tr- that, that I've become more radical as I've gotten older, but as the politics of this situation, for example, moves, and the reason that I'm being, I've become, I've become, I've become more radical and less, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Less, under, not understanding, less, and f- I've become more inflexible. That's the word I'm looking for. When it comes to dealing with this hard right, loyalist, unionist, DUP um, message and voter, I'm, I've become more inflexible and the reason is this I will meet a lot of people in the middle for lots and lots of things but I'm pissed off about this now because the alternative is what these fuckers want to take us back to and that's intolerable to me I'm not having that I'm not having that and that's why I'm calling you a dick you are a dick if you're still voting for the DUP, you're a dick. I'm sorry, but you are. You're not slapping it up anybody. You're not proving anything. You're not going to get anything out of it. 
The North isn't going to get anything out of it. Your wee country isn't getting anything out of it. Nothing's, you're getting nothing out of it. You're just lining the pockets of dickheads like fucking Ian Jr. and Sammy and Jim Wells and all the other fucking wankers who don't give a fuck about you are clearly taking the piss. Clearly taking the piss. They're second class Englishmen and they'd rather be it than a first class Irishman. And shame on them. And shame on you if you vote for them. I'm serious. I mean that. Shame on you. You have an alternative. If you're one of the nicies, go to the Alliance. You still want to be a unionist, go to the UUP. If you've got a point to make, put pressure on them. Get engaged with with with, with, the, with your local politicians, with your politicians, and let them know. But putting a, a border on the island... If, if the reason you're voting for the DUP is because you want a, a border on the island of Ireland, then you're a dick anyway. So fuck off. But if you're a normal person who thinks you've been forced into this position, it's a, you need to give your fucking head a wobble. Wise up. They're prepared to sink. They're prepared to see everything you have. They're prepared to set it on fire. They don't give a fuck. In order to live in this mythical union. And they were gifted. Gifted. An opportunity. They could have taken it. The Northern Ireland Protocol. Ran with it. Made Northern Ireland work. Within the United Kingdom. Which is what they could have claimed. They could have done it. They could have, The win was there on the plate. They could have claimed the win as theirs and theirs alone. And they didn't do it. And you voted for them. And you still vote for them. I think you're fucking mental. I genuinely think you're fucking mental. So. You need to wise up. You, you need to wise the fuck up. You've got an alternative. You've got an alternative. So some of the commenters underneath the article, as Van Man 99 says, the DUP never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity, and SRAM 22, I don't know what that means, they won't even listen to the leader of the union they so passionately want to save. Somebody, Mr. Rhythm, like the sound of him, 1346, they are actually the most narcissistic people I've ever heard of. And yet 36% of the vote. What are ordinary unionists like? They can't all be completely away with the furries. Like, talk about overplaying one's hand. This is it, really. You know, if you're a unionist, vote. You know, I, I, I get it. I, I understand, I, I understand your, your argument. I disagree with it, but I understand it. I don't understand why you would vote for the DUP. Vote for the unionists. The UUP. And then you got so 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 tell me this. So if you're t- what what is it? It's not, it's not thirty six percent of the vote. They don't get as much as that these days, do they? Maybe they do. I can't remember. Um, it's been that long for me. The reason, by the way, this is one of the reasons that I don't really do much on Northern Ireland politics because nothing fucking happens. It's just 
people yapping at each other, and I couldn't give a fuck about that. When stuff changes, I'll cover it. Like there's an election coming up, I'll cover it. Just this normal bollocks, don't give a fuck. DUP, we can't get the Northern Ireland Protocol implemented and all this. Things. Not interested. So, it says, this guy says here 36% of the vote. I'm not sure that's right. Maybe it is, I don't know. But let's say, let's say it is, right? They're not all Jamie Bryson fans. You know, they've all, they're all, there's got to be intelligent people in there. There's got to be norm, decent people in there. there. There must be. How do you, how, how are you with Jamie Bryson being the leader of unionism? Is that okay with you? Is that, is that okay with you? Really? That, if that's okay with you, then I'm sorry. It's, it's, at this point, if you're okay with that, I say go fuck yourself. That's where I am. I've got, I'm sorry, I can't meet you in the middle. I'm, I'm now out. I'm now not interested in your point of view. If you're okay with that, I'm not interested. Fuck off. Oh, here you go. Ah, yeah. So there's my question answered. Potato Junkie says, they're not 36% of the vote, they're 21% of the vote, or 15% of the electorate. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's right, he's right, he's right, he's right. That was it. That sounds a bit more real. So there you go. So we're going to wrap that up. And I'm not apologising for calling you a fucking wanker or a dickhead. Not a wanker, a halfwit. If you fucking vote for these people, you're a fucking halfwit. I'm sorry, you are. It's not like you don't have a fucking choice. So I wanted to finish on something nice, and it wasn't that. <clears throat> Pricks. Do my fucking head in. You're doing my head in too. You're voting for them, you fucking pricks. So here we go. Here's the nice thing. Here's the fucking nice thing, right? See, you got me all annoyed. Here's the fucking nice thing. I wanted to finish on in a good mood. He's made me a bad mood. Fuck me. Ah, can't be fucking... Can't be arsed anymore. No, I'll do it. Okay. So here's the nice story, right? The Ferry Burson County Clare that moved the motorway. Now, you may have heard about this. I'm going to play the theme tune underneath this because I'm, it's going to remind me to wrap up. Tune. Where are you? There you are there. So, you can't see it on the screen, but I can. To the site of the new market on Fergus <coughs> Bypass and Latoon County, Clare is a nondescript green bush. Even if passers-by were to move slowly, nothing about the bush would make it stand out from the dozens, if not hundreds, of shrubs along the dual carriageway. However, the story behind the hedge made international headlines in 1999 when plants with the new motorway required its destruction. Now, it's not just a bush, it's a hawthorn. This is 
right? Hawes are very, Hawthorns are very um, special in Ireland, as you probably know. We've got two of them in our garden. We're very fond of them. News of this prompted Eddie Lenehan, a renowned Irish storyteller, or Shank, Shnack, Shank, I can't pronounce that word. I'll, I'll, I can't pronounce it, sorry, it's an Irish word. It's tripped me up. Shakti, I think it is. Um, who's been collecting stories for 43 years. Eddie Lennon is a famous Irish storyteller. I follow him, he's a big beardy guy, he's class. Um, the heads, in fact, is a furry bush and its removal would create trouble. Lennon learned about the bush's history through a farmer who told him he saw lumps of green stuff with the consistency of liver around it, indicating that there had been fairy bottles around the bush the night before. <laughs> the bush was significant for them and it was a meeting point for the monster fairies to battle with the Connacht fairies, he told the journal.ie. Lenehan was passing the bush one evening on his way home from work from teaching in Limerick when he saw machinery and road workers beside it. They knew nothing about the road being built and asked them what would happen to the bush, he says. After being told that the bush would be destroyed, Lenehan wrote to the Clare Champion and Clare FM about the consequences that its removal would bring. I told them not to move the bush. There, there would be serious consequences if they did. People would be killed on the motorway, he said. Lenehan went on to write a letter which was published in the Irish Times and picked up by a New York correspondent. It went what you would call viral. That's when the fun started, he said. People from BBC, CNN, French, Swedish news channels came by came over. By that stage, they couldn't demolish the bush. Today, the bush still stands along the bypass with its worldwide coverage, leading it to be a somewhat of a tourist attraction. If you move or destroy a fairy fort or a Celtic ring fort, you'd be in trouble, and you're creating trouble. Never shift a fairy bush, he says. It belongs where it is and nowhere else. Bravo. Love that. And I am a believer in that stuff, and I'll tell you for why. But because I like it. But I do know someone who had Hawes ripped up out of their driveway and within a month they were diagnosed with cancer. True story. I know who the person is. They're related to me. So I'm not making that up. So there we go. Thanks everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Politics, Culture and Some Other Shit. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter, Patreon, Instagram, Patreon, pound a month. If you want to lend me your support, that's all it is. And I'm going to see if I can do a live stream later on this week. Maybe in for Friday evening. We'll see. I've got no gigs this weekend. I've had a weekend off. That's good. And so I will uh, see what I can muster. Um, yeah. So there's me. Like, share, and subscribe. Sure, sure, sure. Please share. Thank you very much. Toodles. Bye.